Welcome to IPU Podcast. I am your host, Jay Tissy. And I'm Agape Pamiro. This is a show about business owners, philanthropists, and influencers in the African diaspora. Every dream begins with a dreamer, and we're here to share the stories behind their movement. So sit back, relax, learn a thing or two, and enjoy the conversation. Hello, happy people. Welcome to our season finale episode of IPU Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Not only is she a mother, wife, Christian, Director of Respiratory and Sleep Services, Neonatal Pediatric Specialist, Respiratory Therapist, and Emergency Management Coordinator. She's also the host of a health, oh, the host of a podcast by the name of Health for the Healthcare Professional. And she is my sister. Welcome, Abigail. Hey guys. Welcome to the show, girl. So happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'm an avid listener and you guys are just killing it. And I'm so appreciative of being on it, the show today. Thanks, guys. So much. As you can tell by my difficulty in reading the stuff, she has quite the uh, extensive resume. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Would you like to give our our listeners a little bit more information about yourself and uh, what you're about? Sure. Um, like Agape said, um, my name is Abigail. I've been a respiratory therapist for about 11 years now. Um, and actually, just last week, it's been 11 years. So um, it's been a great journey. I am the director of respiratory and sleep services. I'm also the emergency management coordinator for my hospital. And I am the new. I'm a neonatal pediatric specialist and also an NRP instructor, so a neonatal resuscitation provider instructor. And so I'm kind of all things respiratory, and I love it. <laughs> and then I have two boys, amazing boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I'm married to Nikolai, awesome husband. And I have some amazing siblings. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So, I mean, all I heard was you're just important, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you are what you do, but, you know, obviously there's more to you, but you're doing big things, you know, especially now with the pandemic going on, you're at the front line of everything. Um, Can you just share a little bit about what you've been dealing with and how you've been able to stay sane through it all? Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, this is a respiratory virus going on, COVID-19, and uh, I am a respiratory therapist and I lead a team of respiratory therapists. So uh, when someone has COVID-19 and they are in respiratory distress, severe respiratory distress, respiratory therapists are really on the front lines. So respiratory therapists are the ones, we do many things, but one of the things we're really known for is managing the ventilator. And we've all heard a lot of talk on the news about ventilators. Um, And so of course, ventilators don't operate themselves. They don't run themselves. So respiratory therapists are the ones who are managing the ventilators. We're actually delivering the breath and really forming that breath to fit the need of that person. So every for that breath, we are the ones who are formulating it. We're making sure that we're not giving too big of a breath, too small of a breath, too many breaths, too little breaths. Uh, we're the ones who are managing the airway. So um, that's probably like frontline, frontline, because respiratory therapists can intubate. So that means that we're putting an airway um, 
in to pretty much the throat. So we have to open up the patient's mouth. So imagine if you know that this patient has COVID-19 and you're kind of all up in that area, opening up that mouth, opening up that throat so you can put a tube down and then connect that tube to the tubing to the ventilator. So um, that really respiratory therapists have a lot of training, not really obviously on COVID-19 since this is a novel virus, but we have a lot of training on PPE. We have a lot of training on trying to keep ourselves safe as much as possible. But of course, you know, it's a scary time. So um, especially with such um, a serious virus. So we just try to, when you walk in that room, um, as kind of nerve wracking as it may be for some, you know, trying to make sure we know what we're doing. We got this and we have a great team with us uh, and walking in with that confidence, knowing that we can do it. Um, that's kind of how it is on the front lines, like getting a lot of information and going and trying to take care of take, doing the best that we can for our patients. It's true. Like you're right. It is a novel virus and it seems like things are changing constantly with this. Oh yeah. We have and the statistics out there and the numbers and stuff. Can you, what's, uh, in, from your understanding, obviously you have the information, what's what's the latest on it and protocol, what should people be doing, washing hands, PP, et cetera, and just kind of like the latest information on. on right, so um, that's a good question. And like to kind of also piggyback on the last question for my role specifically as a director is I'm leading the team of respiratory therapists. So like, so I'll help at the bedside, but I'm also leading that team. So it's kind of keeping up day to day as COVID-19 changes, you know, the virus is kind of telling us what we need to do. Um, and so we're trying to really keep up with evidence-based practice. That's what we do in the hospital, but it's hard to when this is so new. So uh, to answer your question, Agape, um, we, of course, COVID-19 is very real, even though some people are thinking it's not. People are still walking around without masks, but it is very real. Like today, I was just in preparation for the podcast, just thinking, thinking like what exactly, what is the number of cases and deaths today? So I looked it up and we have um, at least, let me say Illinois specifically, because that's where I'm at, is 158,000 cases. We just had 707 new cases just today. Um, and there was 25 extra, there was 25 additional deaths today with a total of 7,433 deaths. So that's just today in just our state. Like this is not even like worldwide. So you can't even imagine worldwide what's going on. So um, in the US right now, we have three point uh, today as of this recording, um, 3.48 million cases. And um, so we had 61,000 and about about 61,000 um, new cases today. And for deaths, we had in the U.S. Um, a total, we have 138,000 with just 780, 787 deaths, like in deaths today. So um, I know people are, are saying, oh, you know, I've heard this a lot on social media. COVID-19 is a hoax. It's not real, but it is alive and well. And so to answer your question, Agape, people still need to do washing of hands. People need to wear the mask. People need to do the six feet. And um, if you don't have to go to a crowded place, don't do it. 
You know, um, some people don't have that option. You have to go, if you're working in the hospital, you're going to work in the hospital. If you, you know, there's some things you can't prevent, but if you don't have to go to those crowded places, please avoid it because it is alive and well. And even if you might be young and healthy, even though that has really affected people who are young and healthy, you don't know what you can do to someone else who um, has more comorbidities and has more things going on. So really, um, continuing with that same practice of washing the hands six feet, keeping your masks, um, and then trying to stay healthy on top of it, like, you know, trying to exercise, you can go out for a jog, just try to be careful, try to keep your distance, you know, try to exercise at home if going out is not an option for you right now, maybe you live in a very crowded city. Um, exercise at home, you know, there's so many great like apps and so many different things, you know, drink your water, eat healthy, because when you are sick, when your immune system is down, you know, and if you do get COVID-19, that's not going to help you being unhealthy. So really take care of yourself. Um, that should be, you know, even after all of this is over, hopefully, you know, soon it'll be over at some point, you know, keep on doing that because um, that will build up your immunity. So when those things come on board, you'll be a little better fit to take care of them, you know, try at least you're trying to do your best on your end. Yeah, exactly. And then with those increase in numbers, is this even a second wave? Or do you think we're still like, we never got out of that first one? I don't think we got out of the first one. And that's what a lot of experts are saying. I know there's a lot of debate, but um, a lot of the experts, the doctors and the organizations I've been really um, listening to is we're still not really out of that first wave. Um, the problem that we see too is when the flu season comes on, then we have flu and COVID without a vaccine for COVID. So we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. Um, and that's why hospitals are really trying, we're trying our best to, you know, gear up for that situation um, because we don't know what that's going to entail. But um, they, it does look like there's going to be a second wave. It's going to look like there's going to be an uptick and um, healthcare systems might be overwhelmed. We'll see what it brings, but it, it is coming. I don't know if we're really out of the first wave, but from what experts are saying is we're still in it and a second wave is coming. Mm. So I have a two-part question. Um, yeah. One, the first question, COVID-19 has affected a lot of people's mental health. Um, you know, people are more anxious. Uh, I know for me, I kept thinking I have it, right? Like, and then I would just go crazy. I'll go on Google and look up all the symptoms and oh, you know, yeah. put it in your head. You start thinking like, oh my gosh, my body aches. Oh, I have it, da da da, da right? Yeah. Um, so the first question is, do you have any tips on how people should really, I know you said we should take care of our physical, you know, uh, health. Do you have any tips on the mental part of it that comes with that? Like just being anxious and, and paranoid. I mean, it's good to have some type of paranoia because then it forces you to be careful and, you know, mm -hmm. taking mm -hmm. the uh, measures, the safety measures that you need to take. But at what right. point <laughs> just stay away from, from the madness. And right. then Second part is, is it affecting the black community differently? Um, when I was going through that little phase of my craziness, when I really thought I had it for real, yeah. I had to get tested and everything just to give myself peace of mind and I don't have it, thank God. But I was watching this video on YouTube. Um, it was a nurse, a 
African-American nurse and she was basically pleading to the African-American community saying that our symptoms are different from everybody else. That uh, most black people that she's treated in the hospital, their symptoms weren't like your typical fever, cough, chills, all of that stuff, that most black people came in with body aches mm -hmm. and then uh, a, a lot of times it turned into a blood clot and that's what's been killing people. Do you, is, that, is there any truth to that? Uh, well, to answer your first question, uh, it is what you're talking about is so important. It's so easy to get um, kind of these high anxiety feelings. Um, even if you had anxiety before, if you didn't, like this is a very stressful time for anyone, you know. Um, so you do have to have that balance. Um, I would recommend like for like the mental part of it um, that people should really look for an outlet to express those feelings. So like whether it's talking to a therapist, whether it's talking to your friends, whether you like don't keep all of those emotions in and like mental health professionals, I mean, they're so awesome. And they have like these, um, you know, they have methods where you can talk to them online now. So you don't even have to leave your home. Like let those let those professionals help you process this, you know, that's one thing. Another thing is um, really kind of limiting that time. So, okay, keeping yourself informed, Judy, that was awesome what you just said. Keep yourself informed, but that doesn't mean spend 12 hours watching the news, you know, that's not going to do anything. Get those highlights, whether from your cell phone, TV, whatever, newspaper, whatever you do, get your highlights for the day, limit it. So, okay, I'm only going to watch news for half an hour, or I'm only going to get, um, look at these news articles for 20 minutes, or I'm going to watch for maybe an hour and a half at the most or something. And then that's it, you know, then schedule your time. Okay. After this, I'm going to spend half an hour taking a walk outside because once you walk outside, that really helps, especially with people that have anxiety, like what just getting outside can really help, you know, so walk outside, you know, and then schedule some time, you know, I'm going to go do something that you love, something that's really fun for you. Like, so hanging out with playing with your kids or playing with your dog or something, schedule those times. And like that also kind of gives you some control over, you know, a little bit over your life when you feel like you're in a world right now where you might not have control. But I know those I'm saying it because I'm not a mental health professional, but I know that those are some of the things that have helped me. And then um, having like when going back to the outlet, having something that you can kind of just leave your feelings aside. Like for me, I love prayer journaling. Like I love being able to write down my prayers. And I feel like when I do that, I kind of leave it at God's feet. I've written them down and given, I've given them to him. I'm, I'm done with it. I've, and for me, that helps process a lot of those like worry feelings, but that might be different for somebody. So finding something that you love to do helps. Um, but to answer your question, it is a fine balance trying to keep informed and then also really um trying not to get overwhelmed with it so just making sure that you do things that you enjoy and limit your time where you're updating yourself for your second question um yes i do believe not because there has been science that supports it that there are racial health disparities and that includes covid19 
And um, I don't know specifically about um, all the evidence about black people um, and their sequence of, you know, having blood clots or, you know, whether in the lungs or what. I, I haven't seen all of the data for that, but it there has been data for sure that supports that black people are disproportionately affected by COVID-19. And I mean, we can't, we all knew, right, that there were racial health disparities, but it seems that COVID-19 has really shined shined a light on this and um it's unfortunate and there's so many reasons for it like one of the main reasons is just really socioeconomical factors so black people a good more so than white people live in crowded neighborhoods low-income neighborhoods where um the pot the even maybe like the air pollution is worse in that area. Um, and so that affects their lungs. So they have lung disease. And then so that is a huge risk factor for COVID-19. Okay. And then also there's a lot of many black people more than white people live in areas with gun violence, with, um, with stressful situations. And then that causes mental um, stress, a lot of mental stress, a lot of emotional stress that now long-term affects your physical body. And that's the same thing we're talking about earlier that really lowers your immune system. Like it really impacts it. And then that's a perfect home for COVID-19 to do its thing and really make it more um, intense. So uh, there are just so many reasons why, but I would say socioeconomical is a, is a huge, is a huge factor. Um, and it's really uh, unfortunate. And then also, because of the racial issues in this country in America, I'll say, um, is that we in America, um, but many black people don't trust the healthcare providers and many healthcare providers don't look like us. And I know I had this conversation with before people like, why does that matter? You know, they all have medical degrees. Why does that matter? But imagine if you have this distrust with um, healthcare providers for good reason, because history has shown that black people have been used there was actually something i just read the other day where um uh this well-known doctor um a while long time ago um he had used black women as um kind of like guinea pigs and he would test he would do procedures invasive procedures on them and he would not sedate them he would not give them any pain medicine and he would do these invasive procedures with an audience. Wow. Oh my God. Yes. And that his reasoning for it was that black women do not feel pain like white women. They can handle it and um, pretty much that it doesn't matter, that it's okay to do this. They actually named um medical devices after this man oh my god yes and so that is just one of the many examples of how black people have been treated by the medical community in the past 
And then, so now you're going to tell black people, oh, go to your doctor, get your annual checkups, do this, do that, get this swab, get this, that swab. And so black people who, you know, they know their history are rightfully kind of have that fear, you know? And so it's kind of unfair for people to say, oh, it doesn't matter what your healthcare provider looks like. Because if you're afraid to go see your doctor, you're not going to go, right? So it's important to have providers that look like us in the community, you know, it's, I mean, in the medical community. It's important to have that so that more people can go. And that trust factor is important. I believe it. I believe it's very, very important. And science shows that, that if you have Black people that there would be many Black people that would, more Black people would go to their doctor if they had doctors that looked like them. And then it goes back to the thing, many, there's so many Black people who live in communities that are so poor or that are so ridden with violence because of systemic racial issues that they are not given that opportunity to go to medical school. They're not given that opportunity to go to college. And um, even when they work towards so hard towards it, there's so many hurdles that are blocking them. So then we don't have doctors to go to. They're like, okay. So some people I know have said like, well, why don't they just go to a black doctor? Okay, you live in communities that don't have black doctors. Some people live in black communities that don't have them. And so what are they supposed to do? So I think it's a really difficult system. It's a great question, but there's so many um, aspects to it. And um, I think that uh, one thing for sure is we need to have more black healthcare professionals for sure. And you speaking of black healthcare professionals, you are one, which is good to have you out there. And like, I know you talked about your passion for respiratory. Where did, where does that stem from? Like, how did you, what got you interested in, into this? Obviously it's timely as right now, but yeah. the, uh, the rage back in the day, how did you get <laughs> Yeah. So what brought me into respiratory is, um, you know, for your listeners, I know you guys know this story, but for the listeners, um, my, uh, when I was born actually um, in Texas and my and uh, my mom said that I was in and out of the PICU, right? I was out of, in and out of the pediatric ICU. I was really sick. I was wheezing all the time. They said I had asthma. I was very bad. And, um, you know, one of the times she brought me, we were in the PICU and the doctor said, um, you know, we're going to have to get her on this steroid, we're going to have to get her on this corticosteroid, and we're going to do this and that. And um, she was rightfully overwhelmed. And the uh, doctor left the room, and then a respiratory therapist came in after and was like, you know what, have you ever talking to my mom, obviously, because I was like three, he's like, have you guys ever thought about move, um, visiting another area because certain climates might be bad for certain asthmatics. Have you tried visiting another place? And my mom was like, well, I've been meaning to um, visit my friends in Massachusetts. So maybe we'll go do that and see if that's a little better for her. My mom said, as when we got on the plane, as soon as we landed in Massachusetts, my breathing was better. Like I immediately improved. And so 
Um, she didn't even go back to get her stuff, actually. She just <laughs> left it there. And that was our new home until I was 17 and then went away to college. So um, that was like, oh, well, respiratory therapists are kind of cool, you know. And since, <laughs> yeah, so then since then, it's just um, kind of grew and grew. So I went to college in Maryland. And um, that's when I learned more about respiratory, got into the program. And then I kind of always liked being a leader and they had this degree, healthcare administration at the school. So um, I got my associates in respiratory, but at the same time I did my bachelor's in healthcare administration. Um, and then after that, you know, I was working as respiratory therapist at a medical center there um, in Baltimore. And uh, that's where I really got my experience. I was working in the PICU you know, can kind of came full circle. I was working in the PICU again. It was my favorite unit. I loved working in a pediatric ICU at that time. NICU, um, I worked in um, NICU, ED, uh, NICU as a medical ICU, ED, um, all just really all the surgical ICU units, the cardiac surgical ICU units. And I just loved it more and more. I just loved respiratory. It was a major medical center where we were taking like the most critical patients in like Delaware, DC, Maryland. So it was a great place. I worked there for like four years. And then I, um, it was interesting because I liked working there, but God called uh, my husband and I at that time to move to Michigan. And I was telling God, like, I don't want to go to Michigan. And I just, I felt like I wanted to just continue my role as respiratory therapist in that hospital because I'm like forever learning. Every day is a new thing, but God pushed us. And even though I was resistant, I went. And then when I got there, like a few months later, I was promoted to the to be a clinical educator for respiratory. And I don't know if that would have happened in Maryland. So it's always interesting, like when you try to find God and his plans are so much better than yours, like they will blow your mind. Um, so he, we did that. I became a clinical educator for respiratory. I was there for a couple of years. Um, and it was interesting. My uh, boss at that time had said like, you know what, you should be, you should go and speak at the national organization for respiratory therapists, their annual convention. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I cannot speak in front of everyone. She's like, no, you should do it. You should do it. And she has that kind of spirit. Like when you leave your room, the room, you're like, you feel like you can fly. Have you ever talked to those people that they inspire you so much? Like, man, I could do anything. <laughs> so for some reason, I did apply to speak and I got it. So I went and spoke. And then after that, I actually got an opportunity to go back to Maryland and um, they asked me to speak there and I spoke and I uh, was offered a job and that same medical center now to be a supervisor of the trauma center and the educator there as well. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And then we're going to go. And then God said, well, you're going to go to Illinois. You're going to Illinois. And I was like, what? This is, I get to go back to medical center and in this new role for the whole trauma center. Oh my goodness. And God's like, no, you're going to Illinois. And it was interesting because we had already decided we we're going to go to Maryland. Like we, um, my husband, Nick had moved everything. I was pregnant with my second son, so I didn't do anything. I didn't lift a finger and he moved everything. And then he put the last box down. And that's when we got a call 
that we're supposed to go to Maryland. Like it was literally, he put the box down and he got a call. And I was like, God, like, why? I don't want to go. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to stay in Maryland. We had friends there. It was going to be a great job, I thought, you know. And so he, we're like, okay. So we listened to God. He brought me to Illinois. And then after a few months um, of being in Illinois, I got the position as director of cardiopulmonary services. And then after that, um, got another job, director of respiratory and sleep services. And then um, that's when um, more recently I got, I became the emergency management coordinator. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting. Like when you kind of are fighting God and you're like, no, God, like this has to be the right way. This is the way. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I just know it. And then God is telling you, no, like I want you to go here and you fight every time. But man, when you listen to God, he seriously has amazing plans for you and really will blow you away. So yeah, that's kind of how I became respiratory therapist. And then it's kind of just grown and grown from there. My love for respiratory. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we make plans and God, God laughs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does for real. Good I mean, reason to. You were also being obedient, you know, that plays a huge role because you could have really fought him and did your own thing and who knows where you would have ended up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine I would probably be not miserable, but I would have been like, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have been good. Like, I know that following him, man, it, it has been such an amazing journey and I can't imagine going any other way. Hmm. So not, you know, it's not like everything you just mentioned doesn't keep you busy enough. You decided to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And it's health for healthcare professionals. What inspired that? Um, so I was, I've been in several difficult patient care situations where like respiratory therapists, we go to all like the code blues. So when someone has a cardiac arrest or a really bad respiratory distress situation, um, respiratory therapists are right there at the front lines. Um, so I've been to bad ones throughout my whole career like each one is a bad person you know a bad one um a bad situation um because you don't want anything any of that to happen to any patients but um one that I went to was particularly hard um where you know it's um after that whole situation our you know, um, I called everyone so we can do the debriefing and talk about the situation. And then um, we all went to our jobs. We went to the next person, the next patient. We did our, the next thing. And I um, was kind of like, well, this is kind of messed up. <laughs> did any of us process our emotions? Did anyone, any of us process it? And because healthcare professionals are awesome, you know, the next patient won't know anything, they're just going to, we're just going to give the very best care, just like we did to the previous patient, we're going to give the very best care, but like, kind of thought about ourselves, like, how are people processing? Do they know that they can talk to someone? Do they know that, like, they don't have to bottle it up? And so it just, that kind of started turning my wheels a little bit, like, we really need to make sure that we are not only taking care of the health of our patients, but we're also taking care of ourselves. And 
I've talked to some amazing healthcare professionals in the past and what they do. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's some really cool people out there with great ideas. So I was like, I'm going to start a podcast because maybe like as I'm learning, as other people are learning, like this could kind of be a platform for many others to learn. And so um, I do some monologues where I'm just talking and then I have some interviews with some really amazing people who have just shared so much great wisdom. And we um, recently actually, um, I would say not, well, we started the podcast in February. So I, um, you know, we've been preparing for it, but February we went live and it's been really amazing because I'll drop a podcast and episode. And then the next day I'm seeing people listen to it in India and in East Africa and in Australia and um, like on the East coast of the U S and the West coast. And I'm like, what? Like, and I've seen people like um, people in Spain listening and I'm like, Oh my goodness, it really, so this is, this is a concept that's resonating with people. It's not just me and a few others. Like this is a real issue that people are not, um, are recognizing that we have an opportunity to take better care of ourselves. So um, it's been pretty great. I'm very thankful to God for the opportunity and the platform to kind of share that knowledge. That's really awesome. I don't think it could have came at a more timely, timely time. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah thank you agape crazy so like that's um what from that from the interviews you've done what's like one thing that stuck out to you or like one of the best things you've learned in doing it that's helpful to healthcare professionals and our listeners yeah well i'll say there was two one was um this lady i interviewed she was talking about how um, well, I just loved everybody on the podcast. Everyone has interviewed so well and just great shared so many great knowledge. But this lady was talking about how we need to be more specific about um, taking care of ourselves, our self-care, like put it on the calendar. Like, why would we put we would say, oh, you know, I think I'm going to have some me time on Friday. But then, you know the kids need to go get this from the store. You need to go, oh, the groceries are running low. I need to go grocery shopping. And all of that now gets the front seat and you're doing all of those things. But did you put it in your calendar? Did you make it a priority? Like this has to be done. Like I need oxygen. Like I need air. This has to be done. So um, that was cool to specifically put it on your calendar and just like everyone to know this is a priority. Like it's not going to take the back seat. I really loved that. Like be more t intentional about it. Um, not just saying this is what I'm going to do, but be more intentional. And then another one was um, this. I asked someone how they balance. It was I was interviewing this trauma surgeon who he paid off like six hundred sixty thousand dollars of debt, him and his wife. And um, like people are like, oh, but he was a surgeon. But like, no, six hundred sixty thousand dollars in a short amount of time. Are you kidding me? Of student loan debt. Um, that's a lot. And so he, I interviewed him and he, I asked him about balance because he's a trauma surgeon. He has his own podcast. He wrote a book. He's doing, he has a kid. I'm like, how did you do all this stuff? And he said, I don't know anything about balance. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and I know that there's some things out there like, don't worry about balance or whatever. But he was like, no, I don't know anything about it. Like, I think, you know, in talking with him, 
sometimes we put so much and I'll say I'll give myself as an example that you're like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this with my kids. I'm going to do this at work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to balance it. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. And like, no, like sometimes you're going to do a, you're gonna do an awesome job at work. You're going to kill it at work and you are going to mess up at home. <laughs> and then some days you're going to be awesome and you're going to kill it as a parent. And then at work, you're just messing up left and right. That's going to happen. Are we giving ourselves grace for that? Because I know that happens to me, but like the important thing is, okay, let me look back on my day. I'm in bed now. Like, let me look back on my day. Where could I have done better? And you know what? That's where I could have done better. Okay, shoot. Tomorrow, I'm going to kill it. I don't have to worry about that. I'm going to do better next time. You know, not dwelling on all the mistakes I made and knowing that I don't have to balance and have everything perfect. You know, I'm just going to do the best I can. And tomorrow will be a better day because I'm going to be intentional on making it a better day. No, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my son really does a great job reminding me of just doing your best. Because when he does something, I'm like, no, Zane, you could have done this better. He's like, mommy, I did my best. That's why you always ask me to do it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, that's all. To giving yourself enough grace because you are doing a lot. I don't even know how you do it. More power to you, girl. Because Thanks. Yeah, um, really God is good. And just kind of learn. it's really been just me learning as time that like, I'm gonna do what the Lord wants me to do. And um, all these other items that people say, Oh, you should do that. You should do that. And, like, trying to stay focused on what God wants me to do. And like you said, just giving yourself that grace, knowing that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I might not get it perfect, but it's going to be okay. And then also trying not to burn your, myself out. So being able to use the word no, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, oh, all these things that I've mentioned are things that I've wanted to do, you know, and God gave me the opportunity to do it. But if it's things that um, people want me to do, and I'm just saying, okay, yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, I'll do that. That people pleaser mentality. Yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm going to quickly burn myself out. But these are things I want to do. And they've worked out in a way where I could be like, okay, I'm going to do this from this and this time. And then for this tomorrow, the entire day I'm spending with my kids and we're going to have a blast, you know, um, or like, I, you know, in the morning, like, I wake up and I have this alone time where I can have worship with God and have my own time, you know, on a daily basis, like having those specific like calendar spots on my day has been very helpful. And just knowing like, this is, I'm not going to overburden myself with what other people want me to do. It's been, so that's really made it a lot easier. <laughs> hmm. That's really great. Um, for, like first of all the the podcast I'm pretty sure so many healthcare professionals are very grateful for that because during this time we've, we've heard a lot of uh, doctors committing suicide you know nurses quitting their jobs because it's just too much and it's a lot to ask for because I know how hard it is for us who are at home you know quarantining and you guys are at the front line every single day and you have to deal with that and then come home and act like nothing happened and now you have to be a great mom but there's so much that you you haven't unpacked yet so thank you for creating that platform oh thank you changing lives thanks sis thank you Jamie. Yeah. 
So where can people find you if they want to reach out and, you know, get your two cents on different things? Yeah. Yeah. So they can find me. Well, the podcast is on all major podcast platforms. So it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, on Buzzsprout, and it's called Health for the Healthcare Professional, Health for the Healthcare Professional. On Instagram is where I'm most active, um, and you can find me on Health for the Healthcare Professional, but it's just with the number four, Health for the Healthcare Professional. Um, and <laughs> and then um, that's probably the yeah the the best places to reach me is on Instagram or you follow and following me on the podcast. Awesome. Check it out. Thank you so much today for being here and like sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with everybody on our listeners. I'm sure they're going to appreciate it. And um, Thanks so much. I know at first I was thinking I had to be a healthcare professional to listen, but it turns out you don't. <laughs> to learn just by, oh, actually, isn't there something? What did you say to me about why we can listen to it even not being a healthcare professional? Oh, um, Oh man, I don't remember what I said. Correctly, <laughs> you said since I'm in charge of my own health. I oh yes, yes, yes. Um, you are in charge of your own health. You are providing health care for your own health. You're doing self care. You're providing health for you and helping in any way you need with your family. You um are a healthcare professional, so um, <laughs> this little fight to you. And you're so right, Agape. Like. Uh, we go over financial health. Like we, I had this um, episode where I interviewed this awesome guy um, and he was talking about um, how to be financially healthy. And that's for everybody. I mean, really every episode, if you have never even been in a hospital as a patient, healthcare provider, whatever, you're going to get something. So it's for anyone and everyone for sure. You're going to be able to take away something from each episode. So everybody check that out. Like and subscribe. And rate. Thank you. Thank and rate. Yes. Rate and review. Yes. And share. Thank you guys so much. And thank you. I, like I said in the beginning, you guys, this podcast is awesome. I love it. I'm a big fan. Thank you guys so much. Please keep doing what you're doing because I'm so just, I mean, it's just great. It's an awesome podcast. And we didn't even pay her to say that. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But um, for our listeners, this is our last episode. It's the end of the season. Season four, my first season. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> he made it, people. He made it. No, but thank you so much for rocking with us this season. Can't wait for us to come back. We're going to go and cook up some new stuff and, you know, give us feedback. Please always, um, you know, try to interact with us online. We're always on Instagram. And, yeah. Subscribe, rate, share, share, share. Yes, sir. We'll be back next season with more stuff. Let us know what you'd like to hear and what learn about, and uh, we'll make sure to keep the hits on coming. All right. And as always, thanks for listening. Until next time. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join us next week for another inspiring story follow your passion it will lead you to your purpose as always thanks for listening until next time